So we've just upended your world, and in keeping with our responsible approach to childcare, we're now going to put you back with the really terrible people we left you with before, without so much as a buy your leave. And uh, I guess you can make your own way there in September, yeah. And Ron just slips so comfortably into sort of absolute wingman. Like he, he just basically just just backs Harry up for whatever he decides to do. <laughs> got to basically run at a ticket barrier so if you did this today it would be harry had to fight his way through the crowd of onlooking tourists hello and welcome to shark liver oil i'm matt i'm dave hello and welcome to part two of our read through of harry potter and the philosopher's stone there we got through the intro it's taken us 10 minutes yes failed recordings so if you've um, if you're joining us for the first time, what are you doing? Go back and listen to the <laughs> episode before, which is part one of a read through of Harry Potter. That's an avant-garde approach to welcoming our listeners, which I have to say <laughs> is extremely shark liver oil. Hello, <laughs> welcome. Please leave. <laughs> if um, of course, if you want to get in touch and give us any sort of thoughts on the book or on the podcast in general, you can get us at sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com, sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com, or you can get us on Twitter at sharkliveroil. One of these days we'll get a fully functioning Facebook page as well, but in what, five years of doing this, maybe more? <laughs> We've still not managed to do that, so keep your eyes peeled. Anyway, you it's don't care about that. It's a political decision. It's not, repeat, not a result of chronic laziness. <laughs> yeah. So the second part, we're reading through Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. We're going to do it in four parts, and this is part two. So we're going today from chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters, as far as, but not, not including, Dave, chapter 10, uh, called Halloween. Um, as we said last week, People tend to just read the lot and then listen. But if you do want to read along with us, that's where we're going to. That's all the, that's all the housekeeping out of the way. Let's that's, get started. I, I appreciate the sort of burden you take on every time, like looking after all of the housekeeping of making sure that we're in the least bit comprehensible because it's very clear that I invest nothing at all in making that the case. I just, I, I, I just run off my mouth and you're there doing the housekeeping and I appreciate that. Speaking of running off, someone who's going to run off from the Dursleys for good, or at least for the rest of the academic year, is Harry Potter. He's um, he's going to go Excellent. to yeah, he's off to Platform Nine and Three Quarters to get the train to Hogwarts. Um, mm. We we last left him actually on the train back to the Dursleys because in a cruel twist of fate, school doesn't start yet, so he's got to go back to that family and live with them for a while. <laughs> weird bit of time in that wasn't it that it's like yeah. this is the day when you have to go to the magic place that you've never been before and walk through the magic gateway which is also a pub not to be mistaken only for a pub but it is a pub and meet all the people that are really freaked out by you and then be abandoned while somebody goes off for a swift jar um but then there's how long is it it's like it's a couple of weeks or a month or something <laughs> yeah. little bonus, little bonus <laughs> just, so we've just upended your world and in keeping with our responsible approach to childcare, we're now going to put you back with the really terrible people we left you with before without so much as a buy your leave. And uh, I guess you can make your own way there in September, yeah? Yeah? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. You go. Let's go, Magic Messiah. Yeah. Yeah, so you get luckily he gets a lift to London to King's Cross Station because the Dursleys happen to be going there anyway to get Dudley's tail removed. If you remember, <laughs> he got that stuck on him by um, by Hagrid in the last chapter. <laughs> I remember this from the first time I read it through, and there's just a little bit of I really appreciate that really kind of 
like everyday boring little detail of sure this is a book in which somebody can just randomly have a pig's tail stuck on their ass <laughs> in order to sorry swear jar for me stuck on their behind um uh just because he's irritated a, a, a reckless wizard um, but this yeah. is also a world in which realism holds enough that you've got to go and get it taken off at a hospital. <laughs> it's not going to, like, drop off or wash off or anything like that. No, no, no. Yeah. No, surgery it is. I also like how this child's grown a curly pig's tail from out of nowhere. And far from it being sort of like news sensation around the world <laughs> and sort of immediately get him, get him in, it's the, just a response from the, the hospital's been, well, that's going to be about a month before we can get you in, so... <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's as long as it took before before Vernon Dursley could get somebody not to hang up the phone. Hi, listen, I really badly need your help. Yeah, yeah, no, sure. Yeah, what do you need? Well, look, listen, it's a bit weird, but stay with me. Sure, sure, no, what is it? Don't worry about it. There's nothing embarrassing here. My yeah. son had a bit of a run-in with a wizard. What? <laughs> Dial tone. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's probably taken him about a month to pluck up the courage to even ring. Um, That's true, isn't it? Because Vernon Dursley hates a shenanigan, and that pigtail is a shenanigan in pork flesh, right on his son's <laughs> behind. Yeah, so he drops off, um, he, the Dursleys drop Harry off at King's Cross, the packed King's Cross station, uh, this this 11-year-old boy, and choose a form, they just leave. They just put their foot down and leave him there. Just in a um, bit. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, with with abs, I and I, I love this. this. is a very grown up joke, I know, but I sort of love the idea that they must have done that in the belief that they could outrun the congestion charge. But that's <laughs> just imagine Vernon Dursley being right. I'm dropping you off because the plot needs to get a move on. But if you think I'm paying fifteen quid for you, my boy, absolutely not. No chance. Yeah, now Harry's got some trouble here because platform nine and three quarters doesn't exist, from what you can tell. Um, and now he's just stuck at a train station with a load of daft looking clothes and a chest um <laughs> the train operators are no help they have no idea what he's talking about when he asks about nine and three quarters luckily this family of flame-haired heroes come right into the rescue <laughs> the as, ginger uh, knights <laughs> enter the weasleys um you've got to basically run at a ticket barrier um and you Is go through this sort of yeah, although in the film it's a wall, so um, yeah. it always sort of muddles my head when well, I think about it. Well, and I, I've, I've of course been very misled by this because I've been to King's Cross. There's a decent chance the first time I went to King's Cross was long after Harry Potter was a thing. And so now there's a, there's a brick pillar in the middle of King's Cross that they used in the film, mm. um, which has a luggage trolley halfway out of it. And immediately behind it, there is a queue of American tourists longer than the London Ring Road system. (laughs) And that's now what it looks like. So if you did this today, it would be Harry had to fight his way through the crowd of onlooking tourists. (laughs) Yeah. Also, um, the further confusion from the film, the the film St. Pancras instead of King's Cross and say it's King's Cross because it just just looks better. Oh, because it looks dramatically better. Yes, it's a much nicer building. But okay, that's really interesting though because the thing, the real, the thing in real life is still at King's Cross. So there must be a, I haven't realised that. There must be a whole bunch of those tourists wandering around going, this was a lot more impressive in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he does make it through to Platform 9 and 3 quarters because he gets the help of this family called the Weasleys. Um, so he meets them all, uh, and then when he gets onto the train, he strikes up this 
um, friendship with Ron, who's the young, the well, second youngest. So Ron's Harry's age. You got Fred and George, who are twins, who are slightly older. You got Percy, who's slightly older than that. You got Ginny, who's younger, who hasn't gone to school yet. And it turns out in the pros of this conversation, you got another two, Bill and Charlie, who've both already left school. So, and one massive family from a sort of old-fashioned wizarding background. And yeah. um, this is the this is the first real friend that Harry makes. That's great, isn't it? Just mm-hmm. like I just I, I love this this there's just Harry is a, an increasingly well written character and Ron is just right there with him sort of beat for beat and mm-hmm. I, I there's just it, I genuinely found something really heartwarming about this whole section of the book and all the scrapes they get into during it um, just as just the sheer relief as an eleven year old going off to school for the first time meeting somebody who could actually be a mate is yeah. just just palpable and so enjoyable and ron just slips so comfortably into sort of absolute wingman like he, he just yeah. basically just, <laughs> just backs harry up whatever he decides to yeah. do <laughs> it's brilliant and i think i mean and I, I mean of course the book requires harry to have a friend who's like that but also um uh i just think that's a really beautiful sort of matter of fact thing because everybody else around him is going bloody hell it's harry potter my goodness let's get his photo and an autograph and no mistake under no circumstances must we allow this 11 year old to feel well adjusted mm-hmm. um whereas ha- whereas ron is just sort of like oh yeah yeah great wicked and it's just like that comp- benignly completely self-absorbed way which i think is one of the best things about being 11 or 12 years old is yeah. if it's if it's not bothering you, then you just get along with things like it's completely normal. And that's, I found that really lovely, actually. They, they have something in common as well, insofar as like pressure from diff- in very, very different mm. ways. So Harry's got all this sort of weight on his shoulders because he's so famous already without knowing him. But yeah. Ron's got a different kind of pressure. He's got the sort of family pressure. So all his yeah. older brothers have been like really good at stuff and have done really yeah. well. So everyone's expecting him to be the same. So they've got this this thing that really brings them together at the start, this shared sort of fear and like uncomfortable <laughs> feeling about what's going to happen and living up to the sort of the promise yeah. or the expectations that people have got. So you're telling me I'm leaving behind everything that's familiar to me in order to go to a place where everybody expects me to be excellent at everything immediately. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, the, the we also get Ron is is one of the many people who's so afraid of this Voldemort character that he yeah. can't even bring himself to say his name, and this yeah. marks Harry out as unusual that he basically not because he's not afraid of him, it's because he doesn't really know much about him. He's quite yeah. happy to use the name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, as they as they sort of getting to know each other, the door opens and this old lady peers in with the. A treat, sweet trolley goes, anything from the trolley, dears? And um, <laughs> of course, Harry's got a bag of gold. They just get loads of stuff. He's loving it. <laughs> <laughs> and Ron's like, yes, yes. This was, an, this was an excellent decision on my part. Uh, I, I saw a really good um, like joke version of this uh, from the film. Because in the film, he goes, we'll take the lot when she like comes around. So in the this like, like joke version, she puts a... She puts her head around and she goes, anything from the trolley, dears? He goes, we'll take the lot. She's like, no, you won't. We're in the middle of a pandemic and there's panic buying. You can have two <laughs> items of anything, you cheeky little sod. <laughs> That's incredible. Absolutely not. A maximum of two 
two Yorkie bars. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take the lot. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I um I really like. There's a little moment here which I I actually really appreciate with Ron because one of the things about the Weasleys is they're sort of you know like they're they're talented kids and the rest of it, but um mm-hmm. loads of kids and no money and you know this very sort of tumble down sort of house. And I really appreciated the way J.K. Rowling presents the sort of the sort of constant silent cringe that it feels like not to have enough money um mm. i which is a sort of i knew a little bit about when i was when i was young and um and it is that and i she wrote i it's known jk rowling wrote this um when she was she she couldn't get a job and she was and she was uh, she had two young kids and no money at all and just kind of writing that slight kind of cringe she just did it really, really well with Ron here. Where so he like because when when the food when the the snacks trolley whatever it is comes round, before Harry gets out like this massive <laughs> bag boring. of treasure yeah. and goes, <laughs> "What are you having?" Ron's like, "No, yeah, no, don't worry about. It. I got my sandwiches." And he plainly hates the idea of eating these sandwiches, but that's mm. what he's got, and he's got no money for anything else, and yeah. he's just sort of internalized this idea of lack, and. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I just I really appreciated the way that was that was sort of put across. Yeah, you see it in his little rat that he's got as a pet as well, which has yeah. sort of been handed down from someone else. Everything's kind of hand me down with Ron, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. he's sort of he's acutely aware of it. He's not he's not sort of the kind of kid that doesn't notice, um, yeah. and because you, you, you really can't in this kind of environment, can you? Um, no, no. Some of these um, some of these sweets are quite awesome. There's the chocolate frog cards with with chocolate frogs that sort of jump around there's every flavor beans which i've never been sure about i'm not sure i'd get a pack of them because yeah. just because you know you, that, you might end up buying into something that's horrible any minute. that proposition seems to me to be very weird like kind of <laughs> we're, we're making something that people are gonna we want people to buy and we want people to like it so let's make a random percentage of the things they're buying gen like un, unutterably disgusting like <laughs> earwax but, and, <laughs> Like I, I like the idea of like it, literally everything flavor beans. Not everything in the kind of kids book kind of universe where it you know runs the gamut from, so I don't know you know like toenail clippings through to caviar or whatever. Like, but yeah. literally everything. Like this one tastes a bit. So it's a bit odd. What is it? Oh, that's um that's argon. That's an inert gas. Yeah, yeah. What's this one? Oh, that's funnily enough. That's the the, the flavor of a black hole. Yeah. slightly licorice you know like that's I really wanted to commit to this I like the idea of people going through just trying to find the greenish brown ones just trying to get high just <laughs> looking for a high <laughs> surely it's this one surely this time cabbage damn spinach oh, yeah <laughs> that's a brilliant way of getting teenagers of a certain age to eat anything healthy for them listen you never know this one might be funny have a go <laughs> so they, they took it into all that stuff and um this girl arrives called hermione um she's sort of she's obviously brilliantly intelligent and you can do loads of like cool stuff already like she she's already learned bits of magic spells which these guys the other two don't seem to even know exist but also she kind of struggles with the personal skills she's a bit sort of <laughs> she's a bit high-handed with especially with ron and he just immediately dislikes her yeah 
I, I, I appreciate that. Albeit that that's the most transparent foreshadowing I've ever seen of people who later in their school career will fancy each other desperately. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really, I really appreciate this. And again, great character introduction. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they ever read through the paper and realise that someone's tried to break into Gringotts Bank, which is a shock. And also they got out. So um, all yeah. that big talk a few chapters ago yeah. from the goblins. I, in <laughs> verse as well. That was, yeah. a, that was a lot of big chat and they didn't live up to any of it, you know, it, rhyming or otherwise. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of commotion on the train up and down the corridor because everyone has heard that Harry's on the train. So mm. Malfoy, the little kid we met last week <sighs> in the robe shop, pays a visit Malfoy. to sort of, yeah, to, to, to make friends. Um, he, he, does it, he continue, continues along his course of like, well, let's introduce uh, Harry to a bit of sort of racism, uh, a bit prejudice bordering on racism. Um, yeah, so he comes classist in says, racism. Like he's really managed to combine classism and racism in a way that uh, bigoted scientists have been working on for generations. But Malfoy's <laughs> got it absolutely down pat. Yeah. In a single, single tight package. So he immediately rolls in with some wizards are better than others, Potter. You'll soon come to realise this. Also, beginning his um, his long his long long love affair with with Harry's surname. He just loves using Potter. Potter. <laughs> I just, I what is going on in the mind of this eleven year old child that this is the first thing he wants to talk about all the time? Like not not even. You know, we have a different football Quidditch team or whatever, you know. Not not anything else. You know, not even look at all the massive snacks that I bought with my prohibitive wealth. Literally every single time you're going to my school, isn't it terrible that there are some people in the world who can't do magic? They are the worst. Repeat. <laughs> yeah. This quickly de- devolves into a, um, into a scrap. They have a bit of a fight in the cabin. Um it ends as Scabbers, the rat, uh, Ron's rat, attacks and gets immediately KO'd. He's like, <laughs> he gets whacked against the side of the train car and he's like, I, I don't care. That is day, game day player behaviour from Scabbers there. That is a man who knows it's his job to get taken out early and he's, yeah. he's first in the fray. Scabbers gets a medal as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it turns out um, we may get a bit of an explanation as to why Malfoy's got this rather strange obsession with talking about wizards and non-wizards and how some are better than others. Um, his family were early supporters of uh, of Voldemort, who was into that kind of stuff as well. So, yeah, yeah. and the, and the argument wrinkle. is, and I sort of love that, like the wizarding world is so 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 like so much like an English country village that. If you're sort of rich enough, you can kind of come up with whatever excuse you like for your appalling behaviour, and you just <laughs> let back in. Because then they say, "Oh yeah, he bewitched us." Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was some bewitching going on there. He was a wizard, and he bewitched us. Whoa, <laughs> goodness. Anyway, can we come back? And everybody's gone. Sure, sure, sure. Fine, sure. Yeah, they haven't looked at all at the behaviour of their children to <laughs> wonder whether or not this this tendency might still have stuck around. Yeah, it's the Wizarding World equivalent of those comments were taken out of context. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Wizarding World context, isn't it? Of, of, uh, I deeply regret any offence I may have caused. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am 
I'm deeply sorry if you were offended. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Yeah. I'm deeply sorry if you feel Voldemort <laughs> represented a threat to your life and well-being and the life and well-being of everybody else in the world. I truly am sorry if you felt that way. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, imagine trying that on your bank manager. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry if you feel I haven't paid my loan back. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, I'm sorry if you don't like the colour red. But I love it, so I've gone all in, all right? Mm. So it's just there, and we're both going to have to learn to deal with it. No, I won't pay for it. What do you think I am? Some sort of, what's the bloody wordy mudblood, isn't it? That he'll yeah. use about... Oh, yeah, um, yeah, he reaches for that a bit later on, yeah. It may even be the next um, the next section, that. But, yeah, that's the like worst word you can use for someone who isn't a wizard or comes from a family that aren't wizards, anyway. Um, we arrive at the little mini train station next to Hogwarts, Hogwarts Central, and um, I like this bit. They get off the train and they're in the sort of there's the night air and there's a lamp coming through, like as Hagrid arrives. And I don't know, this all felt very atmospheric and quite exciting oh, when you're yeah. reading it as a child. Very much, you can just see it in your mind's eye, can't you? I tell you, it actually reminded me a little bit of. Um, uh, have you ever seen My Neighbor Totoro? It's a um, it's a Studio Ghibli like a, a Japanese cartoon, oh, and man. like like incredibly famous, a great one. Anyway, it's it's I cannot explain any more what it is about because we will be here for forty four hours, and <laughs> I still won't properly explain why it's very charming. But it really is. You should watch it. But there's one bit in that where two people get off a train and are waiting to be mm. kind of met. And there's this light moving closer and closer and closer to them through the darkness. And it turns out to be a walking lamppost that's been sent to get them. And I, just, I really appreciate that. And just in my mind's eye, that's what this scene was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit fatter than a walking lamppost. So you've got to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I also quite like the fact that, yeah, they're all standing there, like not really sure what to do, especially the, like, obviously the, the older kids are, but the first years are all a bit nervy. And then you yeah. just hear that bellow, first years this way, and just the relief they must have, like, oh, good, somebody's going to tell me what to do. <laughs> so we are, in fact, <laughs> supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, they take a, the first years get to take a little sort of boat ride over to Hogwarts, just to give them the full introduction to the, to the castle experience. <laughs> they really the put there. a lot of effort into making it as much like a theme park as they can. Don't yeah. They? Like, get really. there on a special train, get there's a path, but no, no, we will go by boat. But <laughs> this brings me to a question that I have. Why a boat, to start with? But also, why a train? How much going back and forth do you need? Does this whole train line exist purely to take people up at the start of the year and take people down again at the end of the year. Pretty much, or, yeah. Like, it's, it's incredible. I love it. how much money they must be knocking around the Ministry of Magic for them to be like, well, obviously there'll be a train. Buses simply will not do. Insufficiently magical. Train it must be. Yeah, it'll lose some of the magic, wasn't it? He's got to get the bus. Shut up, Matt. I'm, I'm got, ruining get the, the mega, childhood got, atmosphere of this book. You be quiet. He's got to get the megabus from London <laughs> to, like, what is it, Inverness or something? It's, like, somewhere in Scotland, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm 14 hours on also, the megabus. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. 
That would be so terrible. Can you imagine? Listen, your introduction to a world of wizarding fantasy beyond your wildest dreams starts with this one-pound ticket, that poorly plumbed chemical toilet, and this uncomfortably lumpy seat. Get used to it. Yeah. See, we're going to have a break at Scotch Corner in seven hours' time. Settle in. Luckily for Harry... That does not happen. Um, he's, he's got the train there, he's got the boat over the lake, and they arrive at this huge oak front door, and we get to chapter seven, the sorting hut. Oh, Our old friend, um, joyless Professor McGonagall's here, fresh Ooh. from a partying, sitting on that wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Having taken a moment to get over the excitement of it all. Yeah, and she says, he's going to be a test, you're going to be sorted into one of four houses. Um and it turns out that this is going to be a hat that gets put on your head and decides which house you go into. It sings a bit of a song about it and basically says, Gryffindor's for the brave, Ravenclaw's for the clever. You know where I'm going with this. Slyther- <laughs> Slytherin's for the sort of devious and evil. And uh, Hufflepuff's for the, for the rest. <laughs> <laughs> for the duffers. For the duffers. <laughs> so good isn't it i just I, I sort of love this now of course there's a riff to be done here and we should show our working this has been done far better by mitchell and webb oh it's, we yeah it's it. really funny yeah it is such a good sketch if you can look it out it's basically it, it's it's the sort of speech given by the head of hufflepuff house immediately <laughs> after everybody has been sorted into it i'd just like to say a few words at this point such as um sorry um, you, 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 uh, you may be disappointed that the sorting hat has looked into the depths of your very soul and, uh, what it saw there clearly didn't impress. Uh, <laughs> that is the case, isn't it? You'd be gutted. Awful you puff. would. Oh. And, well, I know, I noticed as well, I was going through this, this list of like, almost everybody gets put in Gryffindor and Slytherin, which is obviously because this is, that's where it's all going to kick off. But equally... I just, I sort of love the fact that even the hat doesn't seem to be too impressed with Hufflepuff. So, like, two people or whatever it is get put in Hufflepuff, and they're just so delighted that anybody would have anything to do with them at all. <laughs> that they're just having an absolute whale of a time. Yeah. But that made me think, what if, what if the sorting hat and, you know, J.K. Rowling and the magic community in general has got Hufflepuff all wrong? What if it's the most exclusive club imaginable? What if it's like Entertainment 720 on steroids? Just an incredible, like, blinged to the absolute maximum environment of, of pure opulence. And, and it's, it carefully maintains its, its mystique by pretending to be full of people who just you would have no interest whatsoever in the, yeah. in the high roller lifestyle, but actually, once you get through through the magic painting into their common room or whatever it is, it's just floor to ceiling sort of like faux tiger print rugs, fur on the walls, the whole bit. Every like every glass made out of a single crystal. Do you mm. think? D- yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Hufflepuff <laughs> conspiracy theory, we we'll call it. It's kind of, the, yeah. Hufflepuff, the, the Hufflepuff party bus. <laughs> and they, they basically they induct everybody and say, right, you've got to just spend the rest of your life pretending to be an absolute duffer. But <laughs> when you're in here, you can properly party. That, that, <laughs> I'll tell you what, case for the prosecution for that, mm. Neville Longbottom, who 
who is truly awful at everything, it seems, mm. somehow makes his way into Gryffindor here, presumably because he's brave. But, I mean, uh, that's the thing. Even if, you, even if you're rubbish, even if you're rubbish, you've also got to be, like, cowardly. To get into Hufflepuff, it seems. Because if you if you're brave, they send you to they send you to um Oh that's Gryffindor. actually I hadn't even thought of that, but that's true. Like all the all the kind of attributes that are uh, that are given to the different houses across the whole thing um are um are like if you look at the opposites of what they are, like Slytherin is for the devious, which means the other three houses are full of people who couldn't put together a plan if their lives depended on it. <laughs> Gryffindor for the brave, which means the other three are full of Irremediable cowards. <laughs> yeah. Three houses full of non-duffers is pretty good, though. That's quite a good ratio for most. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we'll, we'll come to we'll come to realise that perhaps those um, aren't quite as um, yeah aren't quite as extreme as you as we perhaps assume. <laughs> there, you, we've all come off come across some particularly like brave and, and talented people in. Even Hufflepuff, we'll find out. Even um, even unto Hufflepuff, which is good alert. because because yeah, <laughs> yeah because but but you know and to quote that magnificent sketch for the last time, it's also a slightly strange decision to put all the evil children in one house. <laughs> Just like they arrive, they've done literally nothing apart from like get their luggage off the train and be in a boat, and of course in one in one choice case, obviously uh, you know indulged in some grade A bigotry. Um, so you know Malfoy can get in Slytherin, but why is anybody else in there? It's like everybody turns up and they go, "You're 11 years old, and the course of your life is set forever." Mm. Evil next. <laughs> the Ooh, another heart. evil one. Goodness, how many There's... evil 11 year olds are there, and yeah. why are they all wizards? The Sorting Heart has found a particular talent for shithousery in your soul. <laughs> <laughs> so. Into Slytherin, I think if I was reading Hogwarts, I'd have like the door to the Slytherin common room, like right through your go, and the door would just be basically the exit, and there'd just be a shoot <laughs> that takes you out. It's like, yeah, into Slytherin, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's where the Megabus is, right? No train home for you, <laughs> absolutely not. The Megabus parked outside the door, stained in the puke of its previous occupants, right? You're getting in this and you're going home, don't ask yeah. questions fail yeah <laughs> that's what you got that's what the sorting hat said anyway no they're keeping them on they're keeping those boys on and girls in slytherin um what so could harry possibly sees, go wrong <laughs> harry sees them all go up you can tell where some of these kids are going just from the net justin finch fletley it was meant to be hufflepuff oh goodness yeah absolutely yeah, he's still surprised that he's not ended up at <laughs> slap wangs or whatever the last whatever that <laughs> smeltings <laughs> smelting slap wangs yeah <laughs> Um, Harry sees yeah. his, his mates go in to uh, Gryffindor, so Ron ends up over there, Hermione ends up over there, and Harry ends up in Gryffindor, but you've got to put a caveat here, because the, the hat goes on his head and it talks to him, and yeah. it says, um, you know what, you could be, to, to hit your potential, Slytherin's a good shout for you, and he's like, yeah. come on, no, don't don't send <laughs> me there, <It's> <laughs> don't, don't have lunch with Malfoy every day, and God. he ends up getting sent to Gryffindor instead. But obviously there is an element of him choosing that and that's yeah. gonna that's gonna play on his mind. Yeah, yeah, that mm. is interesting. And it's also that is an interesting that must be really, really imposing. Imagine all of this that we've said about Slytherin and then you as an eleven year old go in to have <laughs> your soul weighed in the balance. And the thing doing the weighing goes, Well you might be 
a paragon of bravery and virtue, and you might be fantastic, or you might be evil. Which uh, which do you fancy? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he joins Gryffindor, and obviously the Gryffindor are loving it because they've got the celebrity celebrity yeah. endorsement. Big Simon, <laughs> Harry Harry Potter. <laughs> Shirt sales are going to go through the absolute roof. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the 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 table's all empty. And Harry's thinking, won't mind a bit of food now. Oh, this is all exciting, but stomach's rumbling. And suddenly, after Dumbledore gives a little speech, the headmaster, all this food <laughs> a, a very little speech, we should say. What, <laughs> yeah. is he, what does he say? He says something he's like buffalo twang <laughs> marshmallows, let's eat. Like, it's yeah. the weird. I mean, it's quite funny. I'd like to say a few words. Bingly bongly boop, let's go. But it's such a weird thing to imagine coming out of his face. Did they, I can't remember? Did they do this in the movie? Did that gag make it into the film? I don't think. I don't know. I don't. Th- it wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't have done when sec- when sort of second generation Dumbledore appears later on in the films because he's a bit more stern. Because yeah, he, he's first Michael Gambon, and Michael Gambon will not suffer that sort of nonsense. Yeah, but first generation one, the guy from Gladiator. I can imagine him saying it. Yeah, I could um, see Richard Harris pulling that off. Actually, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, the food appears and they took in and uh, these all the way through this chapter, you've got these ghosts knocking about as well, um, who it turns out they, they each sort of look after a house and the one for Gryffindor is a guy called, I think it's like Nick de Pimsgui, Marquis of something, but everyone calls him nearly headless Nick because... He, he was executed, he but <laughs> he was executed, but they didn't they didn't finish the job, so he can sort of pull his head half off. That's so awful, but so funny. It is such a perfect gag for this book. Yeah. If you even entertain the practicality of it for a second, it's horrifying. But actually, it's just really funny the idea of somebody with a, a hinge on his neck that he just kind of opens and closes slightly mournfully, and you just get yeah. you get that sense when he's introducing himself to everybody and he says his full name. And somebody goes, that's nearly headless Nick. And he goes, I actually prefer Nick multisyllabic last name. But he can already sense that his heart's not in it and he knows this is the way it's going to go. And he just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, the head does this. Yeah. I know. He, he got that first day of school and he's never shook it he's off. He's never. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. What do we make of all these ghosts, by the way? I mean, there's an interesting little bit of local colour, but this, along with the fact what we find out a little bit later, that apparently this entire school is, like, unmapped and full of corridors that change all the time and you can get Mm -hmm. lost in. Like, have they considered moving to a new building? (laughs) (laughs) What I liked about that is that is exactly how a new secondary school feels when you start. Like, yes, this, yeah, you're this, you could right, get lost yeah. at any moment. And like, I'm sure these corridors are changing. I don't remember that one over there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very true. Although, although you're, well, I'll speak for my secondary school, which was a boring place. There were no ghosts. Like, never no, once when I was trying to get my head around apparently shifting corridors, did I also have to deal with, a, you know, a long deceased luminary with a partially attached head coming through and trying to mess me about yeah well he he um takes he sort of introduces a new element here as well the true battle between good and evil that we'll encounter through this book the house cup um you can you can win the one house wins a cup every the cup every year you got to get the most points and um turns out gryffindor are currently enduring six years of hurt as Slytherin have won it six years in a row. Oh, oh, that's painful, hey? Six in a row. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the we meet a couple of other a couple of other students. So as we said, Neville appears. He's appears. He just he can't get anything right. He's awful at all these classes, which we'll discover slightly later on. Um, <laughs> his his grand brought him up, which is quite sweet. Um, yeah. And yeah, he's he sort of he is immediately set up as sort of prime like bully meat, isn't he? If you're yeah. a bully in a school, this is the guy that you're going to go yeah. for. Comic yeah. relief and then mm. some. And mm. he, he doesn't help himself very much. He's just sort of like ad hoc. He's a bit, actually, he's a, he's a bit, this is a pretty dark comparison, but it stands. Given the public school environment and the fact that he's prime bully meat, he's like Piggy in, uh, in Lord of the Flies, isn't he? Mm. He just can't stop talking in a way yeah. that makes him look more stupid than he already does. So there's that yeah. bit where he's talking about how they how his family found out that he was that he was magical and it was it was his one of his uncles decided for some reason apparently this shows what's magical and what's not to hold him out of an upstairs window by his heel and then somebody came up and offered him a cake and he just dropped him. But Neville <laughs> bounced so that means he's magic. And <laughs> Neville bounced. I think that means that he probably needs to see a doctor fairly quickly and be put in somebody else's protective care. But then again, we know what the wizarding community feels like about childcare. Like maybe yeah. this is parents of the year for magic. I don't know. Yeah. Everyone's cheery. Everyone's friendly apart from one guy. So um, Harry just notices one of the teachers staring at him. Immediately his scar starts to burn. <sighs> and this is a guy called Snape, who's the potions master and will immediately take a strong dislike to Harry for reasons we don't <laughs> yet understand. <laughs> Like, really brilliantly strong dislike to Harry as well. Like, really, mm. like, he's clearly premeditated this. He's he's clearly spent the entire summer holidays going, Potter. Potter. Potter! Because <laughs> he's ready to go from the first moment, isn't he? Like, he's like he's sitting in front of this hall full of 700 kids or whatever, and he manages to sort of catch his eye and immediately communicate his despising of him. <laughs> all that to say nobody yeah. but Alan Rickman could possibly have played this role yeah just before the um, he sees him for the first time just before the, the banquet he's been up in his room he's got like lose yourself on by Eminem just like look at him <laughs> getting ready for it <laughs> he's ready to go he's absolutely hyped come on come on you've been waiting for this your entire life come on let's mess him up mess him up speaking of as you said as you were saying earlier about the perhaps um, not quite perfect setting of the of this castle as a school. There's a couple of things here that um, Dumbledore rockets through um, in his opening speech. Um, one being that the first years can't go into the Forbidden Forest because it's too dangerous. Um, and everyone should stay away from the third floor because um, you'll probably die a horrible death if you go up there. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, right. this is going to be a theme in this book. And, you know, you need, you need some, you need some color, of course. Um, you need some in- incident to make things happen. But what, how would you respond if you turned up at a boarding school, mind you, you know, a place you know you're not going to leave for at least four months? And the first thing the headmaster says is, by the way, there's this whole area of the school which if you go into, you may die. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure I'd be able to focus on anything else after that. 
I'm thinking as a child, that would have just, I would have just thought that like, you know, there's a bit that's cold enough as a building site. Like, don't go in there because, you know, something will probably squash you, isn't it? So I'd be like, yeah, okay. We've, we've decided to rebuild the school because it is a problem. <laughs> what with the ghosts and the moving corridors and that. We're doing it from the top down. We're starting on the third floor. Don't go in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it ends with uh, Harry heading off to Gryffindor's sort of common room area in his his bed, his dorm room for the first night, thinking, Whoa, whirlwind day. On to chapter eight. The in potion. his four-poster bed, by the way. Sorry, we not should bad, say eh? that as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, not bad. By the way, also, also, I don't know about you, but at my school, a common room was something that you got when you reached the last two years of the school. And, yeah. and in our case, it was a massively oversubscribed sixth form, and the common room was a former staff room that was designed for about 50 people. So we literally couldn't fit everybody in there at break time. It was like you'd be, literally be like sitting on a small square of table, not mm. able to fully open up, your, open up your shoulders. And this, 11 years old, first day at the school, sofas. Sofas, four poster beds, yeah. luxury. Never had it uh, in my day. That's, you, that's private school for you. I was gonna that's say, fee paying that, school for you, isn't it? Yeah, oh, goodness me, yeah. how the other half live. <laughs> so, the potions master, chapter eight, whispers for Harry around wherever he's going, which must be really annoying when you're trying to just sort of get to grips with what's going on and you yeah. don't really understand anything that's. That's around, yeah. Um, we, we get a brief introduction to all the different classes that they're doing. There's astronomy, herbology, charms, transfiguration, defense against the dark arts, which everyone's really excited about. It turns out to be a bit of a joke. <laughs> boring, boring, mm. boring, boring. Amazing, boring, boring. <laughs> and the most boring history of magic, which I was like, come on, that sounds awesome. We just need I the know, right teachers, yeah. I, I thought you'd feel that way, and I feel exactly this way. As history graduates, you look at that and you go, oh. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. Imagine all the cool stuff that must have happened. I mean, this yeah. is this is now, now. Now we're eight years. But by the end of the series, this book will be history of magic. So come on. <laughs> You're living it, Harry, and you don't living even it. know. You're living it. I, just, I, would, I would find that quite interesting. Like, this is clearly a historical building. Uh, you know, not only because it's very old, but also because it is full of deceased persons from the past. <laughs> It's yeah. full of the dead. Why wouldn't you want to know how they got there? Yeah, and surely you, you, with all the ghosts to choose from, pick someone a bit more interesting. But that's what they've gone for. And there's not yeah. to question Dumbledore. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> Lest Hagrid come and get really intense about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Something Harry re- rec- realises, which comes as a real relief, and again, it's something that you can... Um, you can really relate to as a child at school just the slow realization that there are loads of other people here who don't really know what they're doing either Uh, loads of other kids who sort of are just as sort of lost as harry which is just because he's just he had this fear that he's going to get to school and everyone's going to know what they're doing and he's the only one who doesn't and that isn't the case so great um hagrid makes this offer to to sort of meet him to sort of go to his his cottage it's not weird and um <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and i just realized how that sounded then so they, they're gonna go but and, it's like, genuinely not though like in <laughs> the thing i mean because hagrid has shown himself to be you know a very devoted complete badass and a friend well I, 
On the other hand, he is the guy that stranded Harry in a new magical world in order to go off and have a drink last time. So what do we know? But I hadn't, until he said that, I hadn't even thought how weird that was. But that is quite strange. <laughs> but yeah, they, they're going to go, they're going to go sort of chill out with him a bit later on. Um, before that, they go to potions. And as we say, Snape, this the, the potions master, hates Harry straight away. He, um, he starts by introducing him going, ah, welcome to our new celebrity like sneering at him and then, <laughs> then then sort of point every time he sort of makes him look stupid he also does it in a way of saying oh you're so famous and such a big guy i thought you'd i thought you could h- cope with this i thought you'd and, know this already yeah and just imagine dave bad as this is how infinitely worse it would have been if he'd have rocked up with that solid gold cauldron as well <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't even have needed it. It would have been hilarious. You got Snape coming out, having got him really got himself really hyped up. Lose yourself by Eminem in the ears. He's all ready to go. You know, he's 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 set. He's there. He's ready to go. And then he comes out, and Potter's just there, dragging in, trundling behind him a solid gold cauldron. Just like, oh, this is this is too easy. This is I don't even have to try because what he, in in the event what he has to do is actually try quite hard and be quite like nakedly aggressive towards Harry. It's just sort of like like of course he doesn't know anything. It's his first day in the class. <laughs> like yeah. but it is just but it is that thing and I think I hope this doesn't happen much anymore but I don't know about you but I had one or two teachers whose approach to teaching was absolutely this, was it's a war, you all work for me, and a couple of you are going to absolutely be scapegoats for this. Yeah. And mm. and it, because they didn't know how to control a class otherwise, so they just became the biggest bully in the room. Mm. And and there was actually something quite uncomfortable for this, for, about this, for me, just watching this and being like, wow, this is like, 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 get to... I am trying not to swear on these podcasts, so I'm not going to. But I, I, my head was full of the things that I should have said to those teachers back when I didn't swear at all. Mm. Um, and uh, and it's it's quite it's really quite striking. Um, this uh, this this whole lesson, by the way, also contains what might the first of what I'm sure will become a running series of. Neville Longbottom hurts himself <laughs> doing magic. <laughs> Neville's takes the first of. His many trips to the hospital wing. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. What is it that he does? He like he get he like puts puts a feather in while the cauldron's still on the heat or something. Yeah, and um and ends up with boils all the way up his legs and across his arms. Yeah, it sounds like an easy mistake to make. To be fair to him, it's just like yeah, he doesn't take I mean, something off think, the boil. Well, particularly quickly. if Snape takes the same approach to instructing people on cauldron use as he does to educating them in you know basics of potions and that. In that, he just assumes that you should already know it, and if you don't, that's your own bloody fault. Yeah, do you know what this reminded me of? This Snape's reaction, how he's um, he sort of immediately expects everyone to do it perfectly, and if anyone gets it wrong, he's, he just rages at him. It just yeah. it feels a bit like sort of. Like Ramsey's kitchen nightmare, like Gordon Ramsay Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? That's absolutely it. Snake it's is raw. Ramsay. <laughs> Where's Make the lamb <laughs> Imagine, imagine Gordon Ramsay doing that with a room full of eleven-year-olds. Gordon Ramsay on Junior MasterChef. My word. Where's the essence of nightshade? Yeah. <laughs> So, 
Yeah, so so Snape hates Harry. He quite likes Malfoy because he's he's in his house. So he's he's, yeah. all, he's he's sort of that that's that's an extra little level of why why Harry will equally dislike Snape as much. And um, <laughs> potions itself, the way Snape sells it, does sound awesome. It's like oh yeah, they thought the power through like these special potions. No one seems to sort of take him up on it. Everyone's like, oh, sounds, this is a bit boring. It's like yeah. it's basically like cooking. Well, I, I but mean, you can in burn the same way off. as when you're when you're a kid. Oh, I don't know if you felt this way, but to me, in science, you never did the interesting stuff in biology, right? Yeah, like biology was always the class where you were like, oh. Oh, all right, fine. Because you weren't, because at uh, my school anyway, we didn't mm. do any proper, um, like, actual looking at life dissections or anything else. It was all just on the board. Whereas in physics, you got to, like, make it electric, uh, electric circuits and that. And in chemistry, mm. you got to make things go bang. And yeah. in biology, you just sat there going, and there was a very strong GCSE biology vibe about everybody's response to this class, <laughs> and I was there with them. <laughs> This it felt me closest to a chemistry class actually. Like, there's all these interesting oh, really? things you could mix, but um, you can't mix them. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't, maybe maybe I had chemistry yeah. teachers that cared less about health and safety because man, we did we did the lot. My goodness. Um, yeah. yeah. So so um, yeah, as you say, Neville has this disaster. He goes to the hospital wing. Um, that kind of ends the lesson. Harry goes to visit Hagrid um, along with Hermione and Ron. They um. They read the paper again to find out a bit more about this break-in to, um, to Gringotts. Um, someone's tried to steal something. Um, and Harry's thinking, ah, oh, maybe it's the thing that Hagrid got there first for. Um, mm. they have these... Maybe Hagrid was the thief. Mm. 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 He, he doesn't Damn that, theory. But... <laughs> yeah, but David does, yeah. Um, <laughs> they get these awful rock cakes that Hagrid's made um, and they're too polite to say no, so they end up carrying a load of them back. Um, Hagrid's also quite evasive about Snape. He's like, "Oh no, I'm sure he doesn't uh, hate you." Uh, anyway, want a rock, rock cake? And Harry's like, mm, "There's something else to that." <laughs> he's he's got the worst distraction technique in the world. Let's stop talking about this. Would you like a terrible cake? Mm? <laughs> terrible cake? Anybody? Yeah. Um, chapter nine: The Midnight Duel. We're we're off to Quidditch practice. Um, hey! Now they mix the classes up for lessons so as we saw earlier um, Gryffindor takes some classes with Slytherin like potions Quidditch yeah. is another one so um, so we're heading out to, to do Quidditch practice with these two two houses that hate each other the um, Hermione Hermione is really worried because this is basically like the really clever person doing PE she's like this is out of my comfort zone <laughs> I've learned nothing nothing <laughs> This isn't in my skill set. PE, yeah. not up for very, this. Very much felt Hermione on this experience, <laughs> I have to tell you. Um, Neville's got this remember all. It's basically, a, all, I mean, another word for it would be a chocolate teapot. It's basically a ball <laughs> that glows when you've forgotten something but doesn't tell you what but you've forgotten. What a waste what it of is. time. <laughs> it's a, it, the very thing it's not is a remember all. It doesn't remember anything. It's a remember call, is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's quite attached to it, and this will set up um, the next running with Malfoy. So yeah, it's, a, it's, it's so transparently a thing. Like, I need this scene to contain a small ball that can be stolen and then chased on a broomstick. <laughs> what can we? Another... I remember all that'll do it. 
<laughs> anyway. Chocolate orange? No, no, can we do, just do, go classic here? Don't have a go at him. The, the, the remember all is the only thing in the world that's keeping Neville going at the moment. And he's, a, he's, he's hurtling towards his second encounter with the hospital here as um, Madam Hooch gets everyone who's the, who's the sort of... Is he over his boils yet? Do you think, by the way? Or is he out there with like arms and legs covered in boils? Why am I doing PE? I want to be in bed. Why am I here? And then Malfoy takes the opportunity to be a prized turd and yeah. try and steal something from him, leading to a broken wrist as well. Yeah. So Hooch says, never mind all that. Get your, get, get your broom out, Neville. So he gets his broom. She's, everyone sort of gets the brooms ready. She starts talking him through what to do. Neville's so terrified stroke excited he just sort of shoots off into the air and ends up again in hospital because he falls out of the sky um meanwhile he's left his remember all on the floor so malfoy nicks it so as the teacher's away classic we end up yeah. with a a bit of a set to between harry and malfoy um yeah. is we do is it kind of like a um it's a shame they're not on the same team because malfoy just launches this ball and Harry shoots off and catches it amazingly. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, under the watchful eye of that old that old watcher that we know, McGonagall. <laughs> Who quickly transforms back into a human in order to yeah, hand out an imposing <laughs> telling off rather than doing it in mostly in meows, where it would yeah. lack the impact required. Yeah. Oh, he's in trouble. He shouldn't be up on that broom. He comes down and he's getting dragged off into the school and he's, he's getting thinking, what for? Yeah, he's thinking, I'm out. I'm getting expelled for this. And yeah. gutted him. And so is Malfoy. On. Malfoy is loving it. <laughs> yeah. Harry's thinking, imagine the look on Vernon Durs' face when I come back three days later. <laughs> terminated school contract in hand. <laughs> the best day Addressed of life. very firmly to the cupboard under the stairs. <laughs> Brackets, don't bother turning the light on. The cupboard under the stairs where you shall remain. Where you belong. Where you belong. (laughs) Luckily, the school isn't quite as strict or mean as that. Um, McGonagall, in fact, isn't even going to tell him off, um, breaking that sort of exterior. She immediately takes him over to see this guy called Wood and tells him that he's got, she's found him a new seeker. She's basically got him a place on the Gryffindor Quidditch team because his dad was a (laughs) cracking player and, and he's, He's, he's done quite well in the broom there. That is yeah. that is shocking for McGonagall, to be fair. <laughs> that is outrageous, mate. <laughs> Tryouts? No, consider, competitive. Considering in Chapter 8, in Chapter 8, J.K. Rowling drug, drag, dragged, let me get this out, poor Snape's name through the mud for favouring Slytherin, but he didn't do anything <laughs> like what McGonagall's got up to here. <laughs> She's going to ignore the rules. She's going to interrupt a lesson. She's going to interrupt somebody else's lesson, all in order to say, you've done something really bad and I'm explicitly going to reward you for it. And yeah. imagine being the poor buggers, because no first year's ever been on the Quidditch team, right? So imagine the poor buggers who've just started the second year, who are like the sort of likely lads. They reckon they're in for it a bit. And the guys who are there for secret. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's been in the gym all summer, on the broomstick, in the back garden, just just dreaming, dreaming about that snitch. And then in comes Potter, 
waltzing <laughs> in with barely a by your leave and takes yeah. his place away from Omelette. On his first day at school. His first day. <laughs> Presumably there was like a, a fourth year backup seeker last year who, um, who yeah. was waiting in the wings for the moment. really looking for, come <laughs> on, I've trained for this my entire life. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Let's go. I'm ready for the glory. Bring me those Friday night lights. Yeah. Oh. Hang on a minute. Oh, you caught a, you caught a membrol and your dad was awesome, so you're going to end up the seeker. Well, thanks a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder Snape hates you. Look at that. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? That's it. Harry Potter, the case for the defence, the case for the prosecution. <laughs> I mean, it's not his fault, but still, it's not a great no. book, is it? No, no, um, of course. So yeah, Ron's Ron's just massively impressed. He's like, yeah, no first year ever becomes seeker. That's amazing. Um, Fred and George are the um, are on the team already. They're beaters. We find out a lot more about Quidditch um, coming up, but basically, just to give you a little taster, the beaters are kind of like the blockers. It's a bit more like American football than yeah, um, I thought than that, football, yeah. isn't it? Uh, Quidditch, but yeah, the beaters are basically like your your sort of linemen or your blockers. Um, they just they they're there for the beef. And um, yeah. the Seeker's kind of like the quarterback, isn't it? It's like the, the yeah. most important member, like the, the real like razzle-dazzle um, Well, I, I always thought that was a bit sort of strange, this, this sort of setup, where you catch this one thing, the Golden Snitch, ends the game and wins you the game. Mm. So why wouldn't you do anything? Why would you bother with the other balls and getting them in the hoop and, ah, and running up ah. points that way? Because you've got to get, if you get 150 points ahead, then the Seeker that, is irrelevant. Well, because he can't catch well, it because well, they'll okay. lose. That's true. That's true. But that's a that's a hell of an investment in scoring. You got to go fifteen nil up in order to <laughs> in order to neutralise their star striker. That is a that is quite an ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do you do you do wonder if there's like if the seeker is far far better than the opposition's. Why the opposition would ever bother turning up? They'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Particularly since the game doesn't end until you've caught the snitch, yeah. right? Because that opens up the horrifying possibility of getting into a sort of Harlem Globetrotters type situation where they <laughs> they score ten pointer after ten pointer after ten pointer <laughs> and just save the snitch for the end so they can run up a record point score <laughs> over the course of several weeks. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll get into some more detail of Quidditch later, but safe to say uh, Harry's got a sudden promotion onto that team um, and he's quite excited about it. Malfoy's furious and part of part of the reason for this is probably that partly he just hates him and uh, we're fast developing into the ultimate sort of anti-villain. Uh, you know, One of the big villains in the book is Malfoy. It's prime beef, isn't it, this? Yeah, we're we're only a few chapters in, but it is prime beef. He, he challenges Harry to a wizard's duel at midnight. And um, and Ron's like, oh man, wizard's duel. Right, okay, I'll be a second. And Harry's like, what's a second? <laughs> it means I'll take over if you die. I mean, you're not going to. It's not like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we, we pretend. But we don't pretend it's for real. But it's, it's not, not going to happen. I like how Ron's his proper hype man, but he's like he's kind of useless in his advice. He's like, right, you're gonna need if he tries to curse you, you're gonna have to dodge it because I, I don't know how to block stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's, it's like Rocky, isn't it? But like Rocky having in his corner somebody who goes, I don't know. Have you tried punching him? I've got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really sweet. That I really enjoyed reading that. It's like, yeah, he's, very much. Ron's doing his best to help, but he's also very aware of how little he can help. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> how little he knows. <laughs> but also quite excited about it. Actually, sense that, of excitement. Yeah, exactly that. The excitement, the combination of loyalty, excitement, and incompetence actually perfectly sums up adolescent male friendship, I think. Yeah. Like, the people that you have an absolutely absolute whale of a time with are the people who are exactly as stupid as you are at any given age. <laughs> yeah. Now, Hermione is the cool head here. She's saying, look, don't go. This is ridiculous. Don't risk costing your house even more points by getting caught. Um, you, you, she's basically speaks, lays a few hard truths on these pages, basically <laughs> saying, you're doing this for you, for your own egos. This isn't... Yeah. This isn't about sort of anyone else but you. Like, I'm yeah, sure her input is welcomed sagely. <laughs> yeah, they're like, whatever. So um, <laughs> we get to midnight or just before and they sneak out of the common room. Hermione tries to stop them and ends up sneaking out as well. Um, <laughs> bit of a fail from Hermione. <laughs> she's there, she's really bad at following the rules, isn't she? For somebody who is so like so hellbent on go staying absolutely within the lines, Hermione... Yeah really does struggle to actually end up following the rules at any point in this book. Yeah. I really appreciate it. They bump into someone else who's um, forgotten the password to get into Gryffindor Tower and is, is having to sleep outside. Have you, could you hazard a guess as to who that might be? Would you? Hmm, hmm, let's... Hmm, I wonder... Is it, is it Neville and has he also somehow contracted, like... a? A, a you know massive goiter on his neck or something <laughs> like what injury is he bearing now yeah yeah it's neville so now we've got a group of four students out after dark i, when I got the slight sense at this point i really enjoyed this entire sequence by the way like the this chapter particularly i was i really enjoyed it but particularly because it couldn't be more obviously let's get a crew together you know what i mean like it's just just like kind of right we need, we need a group that's more than just the hero more than just the hero's mate right <laughs> let's put together ragtag bunch of of misfits so just out after fortune. dark on a mission it is it is yeah absolutely soldiers of fortune at a high school a, 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 you know a high school in a castle i just i really appreciate it so they go to the third floor where malfoy is going to duel with them but of course he's not because he's not daft enough to do it he's just winding them up so they've gone up there for nothing um and they end up in this chase with filch and filch's cat filch is the caretaker and he's got this sort of like Spike style cat, yeah, it's <laughs> good after him as well. Um, so they're running away, um, and they nearly get away, but then they bump into this ghost who cr- cruelly was cut from the films, um, although it was cast. This ghost called Peeves, which just it just in, in it's basically a ghost that just wanders around winding people up and making <laughs> things worse, um, and he just likes to cause chaos wherever Peeves he goes. the troll. Right. Yeah, Although we are, yeah. we are, I imagine we'll meet a troll at some point in this magical universe. So maybe I shouldn't yeah. say that. I always imagined him, imagined him like a, a mean talking version of Slimer from Ghostbusters. I don't know why. Yeah. But, no. I think there's something in that. But Slimer had that sort of slightly kind of, you know, pure chaos kind of yeah. badly behaved toddler sibling type vibe going on that made him slightly lovable. Whereas yeah. Peeves is just a knob. Peeves <laughs> is just like. Why? Why are you like this? Why do I have to put up with you being here? Yeah, yeah. Um, Peeves comes across them and shouts, "Students out of bed!" So, um, so snitches. gives them away. Snitches, snitches cannot get uh, stitches when they are ghosts. Yeah. And that's the problem with that system. <laughs> you see, he snitches, but then when Filch arrives to find out where they've gone and asks Peeves where to go. 
Peeves is like he's, he's his own guy and he's not he's not for hire for anyone and he, he, think, he, just, he always just wants maximum chaos so now he sees yeah. a, a way of like making things worse for this guy so he won't tell him where they've gone he's very much the Vladimir Putin of Hogwarts Peeves isn't he I think he's a bit little fingerish let's just throw the pieces in the air see where they land just and see where they land the again. chaos yeah. is a ladder now admittedly I can't climb ladders I'm a ghost but love that love that ladder yeah. Do you know who played Peeves in the film and then was cut? No, I don't. Best casting ever, and this is why I'm gutted that it wasn't in. Apparently Rick Mail was going to be Peeves. Get out! Yeah. Oh, he would have been amazing. Wouldn't that have been amazing, yeah. Oh, but, goodness, completely perfect casting as yeah. well. Great missed opportunities of uh, blockbusters. Yeah, no cinema, kidding. There you go. Um, so I, I, in fact, he may have even filmed some, and then they just cut it all, but... I don't, I'm not really? sure about that, but yeah, maybe I'm just making. Gotta it go up looking for that. I'll look on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, don't look too hard because I may have just made it up. But anyway, um. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the sort of thing. If you were putting together a DVD special edition, that's the stuff you put on that disc. Oh, my yeah. word. Um, so we they, they they managed to escape from Filch, but they end up in the Forbidden Corridor where they said don't <gasps> go because there's some building work going <laughs> because on. construction is going on <laughs> yeah. turns out there isn't construction work there's a giant three-headed dog guarding a trapdoor <laughs> <laughs> guarding a trapdoor <laughs> they're like cheese it <laughs> they run yeah, um, yeah. No, no kidding I, I really like the idea of just casually dropping greek mythology in there and then running away from it oh, like yeah. Like bit of bit of Cerberus there. They get it tomorrow morning. They're going to go out and try and do mountain climbing. They'll find somebody at the top looking quite sweaty with a rock, watching <laughs> it roll down the other side. I'm, I'm up for this. I'm up for Greek mythology existing in the same story universe as Harry Potter. I feel like there's oh, yeah. there's, there's mileage in that. The oh, extended good. universe, Pottermore, it's going to happen. Yeah, there's more to come with that. You'll get more um more Greek <gasps> mythology. Cracky. So. Yeah, rub your hands together right now in anticipation. Um, you doing it? I, I don't know if I came across <laughs> on the microphone, but... Um, just so, so we round off this chapter and, and this part of the book for today, where they get back to the common room, make it back safe, and um, Hermione says, did you notice what the, the dog was guarding? And no one else has seen the trapdoor apart from Hermione. Um, and they start to work, they start to piece it together and think, what would it be guarding? And then they remember Hagrid saying, Gringotts is the safest place for something to be, apart from Hogwarts. Ah, maybe right. it's guarding the package. The package, I mean, Dave. Cool. And <laughs> the package is hot. Um, I, I'm up for that. Why is a school safer than a bank? A bank with poetry over the door and and locks which can suck you through into the vault and leave you there for a decade. How could it possibly be safer than that security system? Because of Dumbledore. He's the best wizard. He's the the, the baddest assist. Yes, yes. He he, he might sound like he's going senile when he does his his speeches, but he knows what's going on. Don't you worry. Don't you forget it. Otherwise, Hagrid's come after you. I was going to say, otherwise, Hagrid will come to my house, put a pigtail on me, and uh, and take away all my crisps. Yeah. So, how was that? How was that next section for you, Dave? I've had a I've had a blooming good time going through that. Absolutely. No, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, like I really, I it was. Do you know what? It's actually the first time for quite a long time with any book that I really felt it felt like a caper. Like it just felt like it was really fun. 
Like, yeah. it's absolutely no fat on it. You're going to ping from event to event to event. You know, getting a crew together, going, you know, some late night hijinks, going out looking for stuff. Turns out it's Cerberus. What's that about? Um, just all of it was just, it was just really, really flat out enjoyable. I had a great time with it. <laughs> Yeah, well, for the ne- for next week, if you're reading along with us, we go from Halloween to as far as a chapter called The Forbidden Forest, where we'll find out whether the capers will continue or whether things get very real very quickly. Um, who knows? So that's the that's the next ch- chunk of the book. So it'll be part three for next week. Um, as we said at the start, if you want to um, send your own review of Harry Potter into us, we'll read it out at the end of the, the fourth part. Um, you just need to get us on sharkliveroyalpodcast at gmail.com um, or you can get us on Twitter at sharkliveroyal. Till next time, Dave. Till next time, Matt.